Be, be seated in his presence just for a moment. Just for a moment. Holy Spirit hijacked the first service and he didn't have to hijack it, it was already his. But I feel the fluidity of the Spirit even in this service moment if you knew what he knew about what he was doing you would choose the same path that you're in right now thank you Holy Spirit if you knew what he knew about what he was doing in your life you, you would willfully choose the very same moment that you're in. There is a shift. There is a transition that takes place when someone is yielded, submitted to God. And it does not escape the challenge of being submitted. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was God made flesh, said, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to endure what it is that you're about to take me through, God, Father. This is why the passage of Scripture says that we do not have a high priest who has not been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows how it feels to live in painful, rejected, Isolated, lonely, depressed, scary seasons. But hear me today. While he was praying, let this cup pass from me. The Bible also says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the season of the cross. Not because of the joy of the cross, but because of the joy that was coming after it. And Holy Spirit has hijacked this second service to tell somebody in this room who's in a very difficult day that if you knew what was coming after this, you would be dancing even in the middle of your pain. There would be a it may not be a happy time, but it can still be a place that has joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. See, happiness is a feeling. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit of God. If you knew what he knew about what he was doing, You would choose the same direction that he's got you in, the same season that he has you in. I'm off script and I was talking to one of my sons in the faith in between the first and second service because I, sh I shared one of our own pain points in our life. And most often I hate it when I do that because I know... Um, it conjures up a lot of emotions because some people know us in our story, in part of our story. 
but my story is my story. And I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for the story that I've had to walk through. And I use this as an illustration of not the preacher, but Glenn. Of our own, of our own journey. It was 2011, late October, early November of 2011. My family and I were in Hawaii. I just finished writing uh, my first book and sacrifices, the discipline and all that of writing the book. And then we, we went to Hawaii for, for a few days. And by the way, it's not worth the flight. Go to Cancun and just call it Hawaii. And so we, we went to Hawaii. We spent a few days. In the middle of that, the Holy Spirit woke up in and she gathered us around in the in in our in our room, set us down. I'm sitting on the bed. The kids are sitting on the floor. Noah and McKinnon, they were very young at the time. And she said, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, when we get home, that there's going to be a hellacious season that we're going to have to walk through. I've just written my first book. I'm excited. And I actually wrote it with four fingers. <laughs> 45,000 words with four fingers. Won't God do it? We got off that plane, you know, we, we were there, we were sitting in paradise, y'all, we're sitting in paradise. At least that's what they say. Until I had to pay $10 for a Burger King Whopper. And I thought, this is not paradise, this is purgatory. Now I know why they eat spam over there. Excuse me, potted meat. That when we, when we get home, there's a crucible, there's a trial, there's a hurricane, there's a storm coming. There's a test. When, when we landed the plane, this sounds so convenient, but it is exactly what happened. It was so prophetic. God was warning us. When I landed the plane, when we landed, I didn't land the plane. When we landed the plane, we would have landed, but it would have been with a whole lot of, you know, fire trucks too. When we landed the plane, I turned my phone on and I had a voicemail already waiting on me. And it was from, it was from my spiritual dad, spiritual father. And that word I don't, use, I, don't, I don't use loosely. I don't use that term loosely because I'm a middle child. And my dad, the hand of God was on my dad. You may not believe in backsliding. Your doctrinal belief or whatever may not say that, that if you can fall away from God, you weren't really saved. I'm not going to debate you. I'm not going to debate you on that. But I watched the hand of the Lord sit on my dad, and I watched God use my dad in very mighty ways, and he willfully walked away from his faith. He backslid. So I had a dad. I had an incredible grandfather. But the middle child in me longed for a dad that would put his hand on me in the area of spirit. My dad just wasn't a spiritual dad. He wasn't a spiritual person at that time. He had fallen away from the Lord. He was doing things and drinking things and smoking things and sleeping with things that, you know, put your hands on me. I might get cooties. I don't know. Just, it was not a good season. But I, I desperately desired a spiritual dad to put his hands on me. 
call it middle child syndrome, call it whatever you want. But I knew I needed the hand of a spiritual father to bless, put an inheritance on me. And I'd served in that ministry for multiple years and I'll never forget the day my, my pastor, he brought me in, I was youth pastor at the time, and he brought me into his office, he sat me down in his chair and he said, I no longer call you youth pastor, I call you son. Tears began to well up and stream down my face because it's what I desired. It's what I desired. Sitting in his office that day, he anointed me with oil and he put his hand on me and he said, I no longer call you youth pastor, I now call you my son. When that happened, there was something that was filled in my heart. It's filled in my heart. It's what I longed for. That there would be a spiritual inheritance that would come by a supernatural, by a spiritually driven man of God that I could look to as a father of the faith while my dad was backslidden especially. When we landed off out of Hawaii, we landed into Charlotte International. The voicemail was from my spiritual dad. And he said, hey, we've got a problem. I need to see you. Well, that's always exciting to hear when you get off vacation. And I got a very sick feeling in my gut that what my, what my wife had heard earlier that week in paradise, I'm now about to step into a crucible. We sat at Hardy's that afternoon. We sat at Hardy's. To this day, I still have issues with Hardy's. Okay? Um, in spite of how much I like their bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits, I still have a little anxiety that pops up when it comes to Hardy's. I sat in there, and, and, and my spiritual dad, he looked at me and said, we've got a problem. One of us is not going to have a job after this. And I just want you to know it's going to be you. So let's figure out how we can work it out. In case you're wondering what the scandal was, I wrote the book. And I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And all of my stories, I, was, I didn't write it to just church people. I wrote it youth pastor to youth pastor. And in case you're wondering, sometimes I say things that get me in trouble. I know some of you are shocked. Some of you are just shocked that I could say things that some people might be offended by. But I want you to hear me. Uh, I still do a lot of youth ministry, mainly because that's probably the maturity level I'm still on. And um, you didn't laugh, but it's, the reality is fine. And um, they, they called me PG. I promise you I have a point to this. They call me PG, and the reason they call me PG is Pastor Glenn or whatever, and they just don't want to use all those fancy words. Just call me PG, I'm good. Just call me PG, I'm fine. I get it. I remember I preached at a, it was about a 4,000-member church up in uh, Midlothian, Virginia, and this incredible church, and, and I, I preached, I did my thing, and they introduced me as PG. After it was over with, the senior pastor stood up and said, well, congregation, that was not PG, that was closer to R. I don't know why I've never been invited back. Can't figure this out. I say all that to say, I, I, I don't, I'm not controversial for the sake of being controversial. I don't say things the way I say things because I want to hurt or rile or, I'm just being me. 
I'm just being who I am. I don't, I don't write sermon notes going, man, I really hope I get somebody upset today. I just say it the way God's wired me to say it. And there's enough of there's enough y'all so far that kind of like real talk. And if you don't show up for the word, then at least you're gonna show up to go, well, we'll have something to talk about after this service, won't we? We're never going again, but my God, we're gonna tell that story. But I, I've faced this all my life, where I would just be who I am and people wouldn't understand why I would do or be the same thing. But here, here's what I've resolved to be. That the guy that's in the pulpit is the guy at the sushi restaurant. So I don't have to remember who I was pretending to be in front of you. So if I don't say it from here, you're not gonna hear it because I don't wanna defame the name of Jesus and I want you to know who you're getting. Because if I would rather you love me for who I am or hate me for who I am than for you to love me for who I pretend to be. And by the nature of that statement alone, it has put me in very places where people have to make decisions, yes or no, about relationship with me. My spiritual dad sitting at heart is going, it's going to be your job or mine, but we're going to meet with the council. I sat in a room for two and a half hours, 14 men were in that room, and for two and a half hours, they told me everything they really thought of me. For two and a half hours, we went one by one. Who do you think you are? What makes you think you can? And I'm sitting there and I'm devastated. We have just gotten out of paradise. And I'm sitting in this room. And every one of them are picking up stones and chucking them. But the one that landed was the one I called dad. It's, it's one thing for people that I love from a distance. But it's another thing when Abraham seems to have no problem grabbing the knife to kill his Isaac. And he was the one that created the deepest wounds. I got out of that meeting after two and a half hours of being violated by 14 men with their words I walked up to my wife and shared with her what was happening what was probably going to happen and after we got over the emotion of the moment I looked at her and I said never again never again will I stand there and let any man hurl stones without me see I know how to kill giants you don't want to throw me some ammunition and that was easy to say because I was in pain but the wound was my spiritual dad so you can be big and tough and all puffed up and that like you got it I'll pick up that rock and I'll slay you giant that, that, that preaches real good but when you've been wounded by the person that you felt was the one closest for you when Abraham had no problem picking up the knife to stab his Isaac 
That creates a void. It creates a vacuum. It creates a wound that you can't bubble gum and band-aid to stop the bleeding. Long story short, we were forced resignation. And this is just my story, and I feel prompted of the Holy Spirit today for some reason. Forced resignation. I'd been there for 15 years. So now I gotta put food on my baby's tables. And there were some stipulations for me to be able to continue to operate and function with a severance package. I was not allowed to have any contact with anybody from the church, including the youth group that I had built from about 30 to about 250. People that were sons and daughters of the faith to me, babes that had come in. And in order for me to keep food on my table, I had to not return their text messages. And it was a lonely, painful season because I watched several of them lose their faith because they didn't know that in order to keep food on my table for my kids, I couldn't even return their, their calls. It was a painful thing, but the greatest pain when it was my spiritual dad who created the stipulations, or at least allowed them. We were in that season and I was bleeding, I was bleeding. I knew God told me to write the book. Feel free to buy it. Every dollar goes to feed hungry children. Mine. So stupid. So stupid. I think they've got it for sale less than I paid for it. So it's not like I'm trying to make money off of you. If you really want to know the drama, chapter 7 is what did me in. Okay, chapter 7, did me in. I use the story of the body to show what the body looks like for Christ. Chapter 7, there's a part of your body that deals with a lot of stinky stuff. Chapter 7 made me go to the unemployment line. And just, there you go, there's your drama. I walked away from kids, youth ministry. The biggest vacuum was I didn't have a spiritual dad to help me navigate this tough season. In the middle of this vacuum, and and hear hear me today, I I don't name drop, I, I hate name droppers that get on my nerves. But for the sake of my testimony, I feel like you need to understand the context. In the season where we're being rejected by a spiritual dad, I had at that time what was a big brother of mine make a phone call. And he said, Glenn, listen, my my spiritual father, my spiritual father, he's getting older and he is looking to invest in the next generation that is going to lead the move of the church in demonstration and power across this nation. 
I'm void of a father. I have been excommunicated. Now a brother, a spiritual big brother at that time of mine is saying his father is looking to adopt. And who he wants is what he believes is going to be the next wave, the leaders of the next wave of the move of God that's going to come into our nation. And I feel like God is saying, you need to come and sit with my dad. So him and I, we got in the, on a plane and we flew to Dallas, Texas, and we got to spend years with Bishop Jakes, sitting at lunches, one-on-one, pouring. This is who you are. This is what God has created you to be. This is what God is going to do through your ministry, encouragement. We're dying in one season. And God is opening up relationships with an international dad, a global dad. And let me just preface, every person is a man. And if you put anybody in place of God, you will always be disappointed. If I had not have been willing to go through the pain of this loss, my hands would not have been open to receive the next. If I had not have been willing to go through what I went through. See, the reason God will allow vacancy is because he will turn the vacancy into capacity trying to help you this morning what looks like a loss is really God cleaning house for unnecessary things for your next season I want you to hear me today so what was rejection in one season was protection for me to be able to hold the next season of what he was Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? I'm trying to tell you that God has purpose. It's addition even in subtraction. And if I had known that Bishop was in the wings, it would have been easy to walk through my season of that particular loss. But hear me, I didn't know that Bishop was in the wings. All I knew that God was taking me in the season that I was in. And if he brought me to this pain, then he has purpose for this pain. And this is not what he's doing. It's just an ingredient for what he has. And if I'm willing to endure the hard thing, he will be pushing me towards the new thing that he wants me to open up and I'm trying to tell somebody in this room this morning that is in a very difficult season in a very painful season in a season where you feel lost you feel undone you don't know how it's all going to work out and here you are trying to decide am I going to be better or am I going to be bitter is God going to work this out or is everything that I feared going to come upon me hear me today hear me today it is not a void it is an open opportunity for capacity for God to reveal a new thing if you knew what he was doing 
would willfully go through it. But hear me, hear me today. If I had known Bishop was in the wings, I would have ran excited about Bishop. But it wasn't Bishop that carried me through this, it was Jesus. It wasn't Bishop that got me over, it was Jesus. It wasn't that relationship that made me better. It was my relationship. I found him to be a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. That even when I was at my loneliest place, he was faithful to me. He was good to me. And there was Joy, even after the sorrow, even after the pain, I carry a scar even to this day. But hear me, it is a battle scar. It is a battle scar, and every time I touch it, like today, God's allowing me to touch it. Every time I touch it, it's a reminder that I made it through. And if he brought me out of that, he'll bring me out of this. If he'll take me through that, he'll take me through. It is not in what he's bringing. It is in who's carrying me. It's in who carried me. And I'm here to tell somebody in this season, don't grow weary and well-doing for you will reap if you faint not if you faint not now that's my story but now let me give you a Bible that will carry you we find it in the book of Psalm chapter 126 verse number 5 I want you, I'm prophesying over your your life this morning. I'm trying to pull you into a place to see what it is that God's saying over you today. I'm trying, listen, those who sow in tears, there is another season coming and it's a harvest season. And if you've sown in tears, you are going to reap in joy. I don't know why you're crying, but I know one thing, that tear is an indicator that there is a harvest of joy that is on the other side of this. It's on the other side of this. And if you're sowing in tears, you're gonna reap in joy. If you're sowing in tears, you're gonna reap in joy. If you're sowing in tears, every, listen, every tear that drops from your face is a seed in the ground that will produce for you. Look at verse six. And he or she who continually goes forth. How are we going forth? Every person that is willing to keep it moving even if you're crying. That's willing to keep it moving even if it's hard. That's willing to keep it moving even if it's difficult. And here you are, you're getting yourself out of bed and you don't even want to get out of bed, but you're keeping it moving. You're not keeping it moving for the sake of just keeping it moving, but you're keeping it moving even though you're crying. You're keeping it moving even though you're lonely. You're keeping it moving even if you're depressed. You're keeping it moving even if you're rejected. You're keeping it moving even if it's full of fear. You're keeping it moving even though it's anxiety. If you'll keep it moving in weeping, look at what it says that while I'm moving, I'm also sowing. What kind of seed? The reason you're crying is because it matters. The reason you're wounded is because you care. The reason it hurts is because it's important. But if you're willing to sow the precious seed, 
I'm moving and I'm weeping, but I'm also sowing. And I'm moving and I'm weeping, but I'm also sowing. I'm moving and I'm weeping, but I'm also sowing. Here's what the Lord said to me this week. He said, the reason why I let you have your tears is because your tears are watering the seed that you're putting in the ground. The reason why he's allowing the tears to come is because your tears are watering the seed. It's watering the seed. I, I supplied the seed. Apollos watered it. But God provides the increase. And the reason why he will let you go through this pain is because your tears are the water your seed needs. Uh, now let me give you hope. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why don't stop crying. I break the spirit of suck it up over you. I break the spirit of I'm not going to let that heartbreak break me. Be broken in the hands of God. Be pliable in the hands of God. I break the spirit of hard-heartedness against you. It's okay to be humble. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be vulnerable in the hands of God. I break the spirit of suck it up off of you. For that person that will keep it moving, even while they're weeping, sowing precious seed. Oh, here's the promise, you ready? Bethany, I'm about to have a fit. Shall, it's my favorite word in this whole passage. Y'all say it with me. Shall, do you know what that word doubtless means? It means without a doubt. It means absolutely. It means you can bank on this. It means that pencil it in, sooner or later it's coming to pass. It's not a matter of if, it is now a matter of when. Doubtless, that it is without a doubt. Oh God, look at what's coming. You shall doubtless with, in other words, come again means that the place where you were broken, you're gonna come back to that very same place with a shout. You didn't hear what I said. That place that hurts you will be the very place where you have your biggest dance party. That that thing that broke you and shaped you and, and shifted you and, and made, that in the very same place of that brokenness, sir, is the very same place on the other side of this that you will have a harvest and there will be a praise on the, in the very same place. The very same place you will, without a doubt, Come again, rejoice. And now I'm about to get old King James. You ready? Bringing in the sheaves. See, y'all too young. Y'all too young. Bringing in the sheaves. You remember that old hymn? Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. Praise God, I'm bringing in the sheaves. Some of y'all don't even know you're still old. I'm, I, I'm old, old. I'm waxed old. Old school. Bringing in the sheaves. Y'all look it up. It's a hymn. Calm down. 
Here's what it means. It means that all of the sowing I did, all of the weeding I did, all of the pruning I did, all of the watering God provided, all of the sunlight that took place, it was all for a purpose. It was all for a plan. And it has produced a harvest in my life. And so I don't have a little bit of harvest, but I got sheaves of harvest. I, I got overwhelmed that I can't hold on to everything that he's doing for me. I don't have enough, but I'm coming in going, I got the heat, I got the sheaves, I got it. I got a harvest. Look at what God did with what I thought I lost. I dare somebody to give God praise. service for but I'm telling you right here I dare you to give him a without a doubt praise in this room I dare you to give him a without a doubt praise it's just a matter of time Woo! Oh, somebody give God a without a doubt praise I carry my old plans say to somebody in their broken season I say to somebody that's going through their weeping season get ready 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 there is a breakthrough on the way there is a joy on the way there is power on the way there's peace on somebody give God praise a now word over your situation I didn't know you were going to be here and if you came and looked at my notes this is not what I was preaching today but Holy Spirit said you're so valuable and your season is so important to your success that I can't let just a normal day become a normal day if you're in this room this morning and you're going through a weeping season you're going through a hard season you're going through a lonely season a painful season you're going through a season where you feel you're fighting fear, you're fighting depression, you're fighting anxiety, you're fighting anger, you're fighting bitterness. 
you're going through a season where it makes no sense to you and you have found yourself living in the broken places get out of your seat this morning and meet me in this front I don't care if it's your first time I don't ain't nothing crazy gonna happen to you we ain't doing crazy stuff around here but I feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit to activate you out of where you are into the season of where God is about to bring you if you find yourself in that season Holy Spirit wants to have an encounter with you today. And as you're coming, just lift up those hands and say, Lord, whatever it is. Altar team, elders, elders, elders and altar team, help me here. Very gently. I lay down my old flame. To carry your new fire. I lay down my old flame. To carry your new Oh. I lay down my old flame to carry your new fire today, today. Yeah. Say. I lay down my old flame to carry your new fire. I lay down my old flame to carry your new fire. I lay down my old flame. To carry your new fire today. Lay it down, lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. Lay it down, 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 lay it down. Lay it down, lay it down. All you gotta do is lay it down, lay it down. My brother, lay it down, lay it down. My sister, hey, come on and lay it down. He's waiting on you. Hey, lay it at his feet. Lay it down, lay it down, lay it down, lay it down.
to carry your new fire. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. I lay down, I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire. Lay down to carry your new fire. Lay down my old flame to carry, to carry your new fire today. Make me a vessel. Be a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came, I came here with nothing, with all you have given me, Jesus, Jesus, bring new wine out of me, make me, make me a vessel, come on, say it. Five. 
$8.99. I feel like I feel like I'm on the price is right. One thousand dollars. True. Oh, youth ministry. You ready? Ten dollars. Five dollars. Eight ninety-nine. I ask you how much it cost. But if you were to ask the olive, it cost the olive everything. What you perceive as value cost the olive that brought out this oil everything. asked me one day, was in a Q&A session, and they said, young pastors, they said, what does it take to be successful in ministry? And before I could catch my mouth, I said, it costs everything. What does it take? It takes everything. It takes the good. It takes the bad. It takes the ugly. It takes the dad backsliding. It takes the spiritual father wounding and walking away. It takes the bishop showing up. It takes a sermon series on the Beatitudes. When God says, blessed are the peacemakers. And Holy Spirit says you're not qualified to preach that message until you go make peace. So it required me. It it took me getting on a plane and flying to Montana. It took me sitting there for two to three days. Bringing peace and resolution to the pain and the wound that I didn't make, but the peace was my requirement. that has already preached in this pulpit two and a half years ago. It takes it all. It took the miscarriage that my wife and I went through before my son Noah was born. It took the birth of my son. It took the birth of my daughter. It took the birth of this church. It took the step of faith to move into this property and it's going to continue to take the steps of moving into the next season that we have here. It takes it all. It looks like it only costs you 10. But it costs all of everything for you to perceive its value from a distance. This is why you can't get value from what people see about you. Because the one who does the crushing is also the one who does the blessing. The God who isolates is also the God who elevates. And he will take you through very painful, difficult seasons that looks like it costs you everything. But before I leave this stage of this second service, I want to remind you that if you'll seek him first, all of the other things get added. 
author and he is also the finisher of your faith some trust in horses and some trust in chariots but anybody who's ever gone through anything and made it out knows there's only one name that you and I can find to be a strong tower that we can run into and be saved and that is simply watch this the name of Father, thank you for this moment. I thank you now in this painful, weeping, sowing season that without a doubt there is a harvest coming after this. So today, Lord, before we leave this house, and continue to keep moving forward even in our weeping season while we sow precious seed. Lord, we're going to borrow some praise from our future and put it right here in our present to just confuse our enemy and remind him that we will not stop now. We will not quit now. Somebody borrow some praise from the harvest and put it on your season before we leave this. Give God a without a doubt praise. 